Now, I've asked um, Kylie to read for us the passage this morning, and as we read the passage, we'll go into the Word of God, and I'll just open it up for you like warm bread. Amen. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. Who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked, from, asked of him. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All righteous, unrighteousness is sin and there is sin not leading to death. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the public reading of your words. And although I say nothing from this point on and we get in your car and we go home, I thank you, Lord, that your word has been read in the public scene. And Father, the word gives us the promise this morning in Isaiah that your word will not go out and return back void, but it will accomplish everything that it's purposed for. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise Lord. Thank you, Kylie. So as you know, we started this series about the things that John writes to us. He says, we know a few things he's certain. As children of God, we know that. Uh, the first time we know that Jesus is the Christ, and that's the most critical to know. That is the foundation. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. And like somebody said it before, rather you fall on the stone than the stone falls on you. And it's important to submit to Jesus Christ. That is the start of your Christian walk, of your relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. So we know that He is the Christ. And then last week we've heard that He said, we know that we have eternal life. This is what you know as a child of God. And today, out of the passage that we just heard, John is writing to these people about prayer. He says, this we know, that God hears us. This is the confidence that we have. Now, talking about prayer, there are so many sermons about prayer, yet it is the least practiced by Christians. So many sermons. How many sermons have you heard about prayer? Ten? Twenty? Hundred? Thousands? People talk about prayer. They preach about prayer. And we all know what prayer is. Prayer is a conversation we have with God, with the unseen God. Some people will say it's just a bubbling on. But those are the people who don't know what it's all about. Prayer is the communication with God. If being born again is the life that you receive, prayer is the breath of that life. Now, if I ask you to close your nose and close your mouth and not breathe, how long will you live? Three minutes? Then you will pass away. 
How is it then that a child of God who has got a Christian life can go weeks and months without talking to God? Which I just said is the breath of your Christian life. So this is what it is. A lot of people these days say prayers, but they seldom pray. Think about that. They recite prayers. I'm absolutely against it when you take your children at night and you learn them and you teach them a short little prayer they say every night over and over again. The same prayer. That is not praying. That is reciting. That's saying a prayer. But prayer, my friends, comes from inside of you. A desire from inside of you to talk to God, the unseen God. And we all are in relationship, aren't we? Prayer is that communication. I've got three children, I've got a lovely wife. If I stop talking to her, what will happen? She'll be mad at me. <laughs> but the relationship will break down, wouldn't it? If I don't talk to my children, what will happen? The relationship will break down. If they don't talk to their wives, what will happen? The relationship will break down. You find this wherever you go. If you stop communicating in businesses, in families, in churches, in governments, wherever you go. If communication breaks down, the relationship breaks down. So how is it that people think they can have a relationship with God but never talk to Him? How is it? We we'll only say a prayer. That's all we do. And we find nice poems about prayers and all these things. Now let me just say that at the start, that prayer is hard work. Yes, it is hard work. It takes an effort. So is communication. It takes an effort to talk to somebody. You have to be in the moment. You have to be present if you want to have a conversation. You have to receive what they tell you, and then you have to work it through your brain in there. And then you have to have a response back to them. It's an effort. What's the easiest thing to do? Just fold your arms and go, I'm going to say nothing. That's the easiest thing to do. But prayer takes something. Communication takes something. It's hard work. It takes time. And it needs a lot of patience. Is that true? If you pray a lot, you will shake your head. And you'll say, that is true. Because so oftentimes you can pray for something and you don't see the results yet. Although God, this morning we hear that He hears us. And this is what He's talking about. This is not new. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul writes, he says, Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Do not stop to pray. Some people think prayer is just in the morning when you get up at 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock or 4 o'clock and you pray for an hour and you step up from there and you tick the box and you say, that's finished, I've prayed. No, friends, prayer continues on. I explain it to people like this, is that I keep on praying right through the day. When I get up in the morning from my prayer room, you know what I do as I get into my car? I can talk to God. I can still pray to God. When I get to work, I can still talk to God. So many times, listen to this, so many times I might go to the toilet just to close the door behind me to have a space where it's only me and I pray. Now people think I do something else, but I pray. That's a good place to go to because nobody will come and... I don't find people come and knock on the door and say, Come on, come on. You've got a few moments there just for yourself. And you know what I often do? I stand in there 
and I close my eyes. You can even sit if you want to, but I stand in there and I talk to God. Sometimes in a difficult situation, I may need to make a, a, a decision, a decisive decision. I go in there and I pray to God. But listen, friends, you don't have to do that. You can just sit at your desk. And you can even pray with open eyes. Have you done that before? I highly recommend that not to get into your car and close your eyes and pray. <laughs> I oftentimes open, with open eyes, I would pray. I would drive and speak to God. There's no difficult rules around this. But it takes something from you to start to get the desire, as Paul says, pray without praising. And then here in Luke 18 verse 1, then he spoke a parable to them. This is Jesus Christ, that men always ought to pray and not lose hearts. The Lord Jesus Christ himself was known as a man of prayer. God with us. So many times you can read right through as I've done. When he then goes up into the mountain to a place all by himself, what did he do? He prayed for his disciples. And, and we find his prayers in the Bible. Go and search them. In John chapter 17, the Lord himself prays a whole chapter in a prayer. Now let me tell you, friends, if you pray, if you pray and I listen to your prayer, you can understand the state of somebody's Christian walk of the Lord. It's how you pray. It was important to the Lord. It was important to Paul. Paul writes so many letters in your Bible in the New Testament. But you know what it's known for? What is Paul known for? For praying. Whenever you open up his letters to the churches, what does he say? First of all, he says, I pray for you. He prays for the people he knows. He prayed for the circumstances. And listen to this. He even prayed for the people he did not know. How wonderful is that? Are you praying for the people that you don't know yet? Do you understand how privileged we are that God took us out of our places where we came from, from India, from South Africa, from New Zealand, even from Aussieland, and He puts us all together. We didn't know each other five years ago, did we? But here we are. I want to start praying for somebody I'm going to meet in five years' time. Say, Lord, how wonderful is it going to be to meet that brother and sister? And may it be upon this earth, or may it be in heaven, because you will have eternity to start knowing all the children of God. How wonderful is that? Prayer is such a privilege, dear friends. Think about this. When we're in heaven, there's no prayer. There's direct communication with God. That is so wonderful. So privileged. Peter is a man of prayer. James is a man of prayer. Each one of these heroes of the Bible, each one of them, you digest their lives and you see that each one of them was men of prayer and you can see what God has done because they were people of prayer. If you, if listen to me, listen to me very carefully. If you want to make a mark for God, let Him work through you, but do it in prayer. That's where you start. And then there was old camel knees. Who knows who that is? Who knows a camel? Have you seen the calluses on a camel's knees? The back knees as he goes down with his full weight and he puts down his back first. Have you seen when a big camel goes, goes down to the ground? First he kneels down at the back and then he drops down. That, that sounds like my dog Cody. I've got a small dog. He just props down. He goes, plump. 
But these camels, when they go down, they get, they've got these hard calluses on their knees. There was a man in the Bible, a man that you read these words in this Bible, whose nickname was Old Camel Knees. You want to know who he is? It's James, the brother of Jesus. Old Camel Knees. He prayed so much that he got calluses on his knees. How many a people's names did he call out before God? How many a people that were touching him, that he was around them, he loved them so much that he called their names every single time before God. Now I'm telling you today that old Kamal Nis was even praying for you and for me. People he didn't know yet. Because what did he pray for? He prayed for the gospel, the good news of God to go forth. How is your prayer life this morning, my friend, my brother, my sister? You see, we need to talk about this because the beloved apostle, John, writes to us about prayer. And this man is a man of prayer. John is a man of prayer. All of them were men of prayer. Prayer is important for our Christian walk. You see, he says it right there when he writes to us in verse 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in Him. If, that if we ask anything according to His will, what happens? He hears us. Who hears us? Who's the He? God hears us. The confidence He talks about there comes from the word parisia. Parisia in Greek. It means it's a freedom to speak. Do you know that in some countries they don't have a freedom to speak? They will get killed if they are speaking out. But this is way more above that. This is not talking about countries, dear friends. This is the freedom to speak to God. This is what it's all about. We have this confidence, he writes down here. There is no reservation. It means this is to have no fear and a feeling of boldness to talk. Have you been in that situation? Maybe you've worked for a boss that you were so petrified you can't talk to him. You feel you, 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 if you want to talk, there's no breath, breath in your lungs to talk. Your throat is dry and it doesn't come out well. Have you been in that situation? This is just the opposite. This says you come out there and you've got freedom to talk and a boldness to talk. Friends, this is not your boss. This is God. And you know what's taking that confidence away and the boldness away? It is sin. The sinful nature. You and your sin cannot stand before a holy God. You cannot. There is no way you can survive standing with your sin before a holy God. Because the Bible says, my dear friend, that God hates sin. And if you are standing there as a sinner, that which is in you, not you, but that which is in you, the sinful nature is hated by God. You say, how is that concept? It's because God is pure and holy. How can a sinful people approach a holy God? This is why He wrote the whole Bible for us. The whole Bible and choosing that nation called Israel, the Jews, yes, right, them. That's why He chose them, to show the people how a sinful people can approach a holy God. And you know what it comes down to? The whole book is written about that. It comes down to one man who lived upon this earth, and his name is Jesus Christ. How do a sinful people approach a holy God? Jesus Christ. Through Him we do that. 
Now this is the confidence, he says, that we have in Him. Now you've got to ask yourself, where did this confidence come from? How can we then say we have this confidence? Because think about this, friends. If we pray, we come into the presence of God through our prayers. I pray so often time, if you listen to the prayer when I open up, I say, Lord, what a privilege that we can stand before the creator of the universe. Do you realize when you pray, your prayer, your singular prayer, that you enter, you enter into the presence of the holy God? Do you realize that? Do you realize that you, who you are, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand before the creator of the universe? Do you realize that? Now, if I take the creator of the universe in, within all of that is immaculate power of God. And how can you stand before the power of God? Let me frankly say to you this morning, you cannot. Doesn't matter who you are. That is why we need Jesus Christ. Now we stand there with confidence. It's not a kind of confidence that I hear some people say we, we chase and we knock down the gates of heaven and go, we come bold! No, it's not that kind of boldness. It comes with humility. You see, you first had to kneel at the cross and humble yourselves to the cross and submit to the cross before you can get this kind of boldness. Are we clear on that? This confidence and then he says, we have confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. I want to take you onto this little road here, what I've just explained. Coming into the presence of God. In Hebrews chapter 9 verse 6, he says, Now when these things had been thus prepared, and he's talking about the old covenant now. He's talking about the rituals that took place. He says, the priests has always went into the first part of the tabernacle. They had a tabernacle which they set up to worship God. The tabernacle had two parts in it, three parts, the outer court, the, tab to the holy, and the holiest of holy. In the holy, the priests. You see that? It's plural. In the holy, of ho uh, in the, holy the priests could go in and they minister. There were a table of showbread there. There were candles there, the menorah, and they had to keep the lights burning all the time. They ministered into that first part. That's what he says here. He says in the first part of the tabernacle, they were performing their services. But, but, into the second part, which is now the holiest of holies, which if you read your Old Testament, is where God come physically and live with His people. His presence was in that place. I find it fascinating these days, people come in and they say, let's just boldly walk through there and walk into the presence of God. No, no, that's not how they did it in the Old Testament, dear friends. See how they did it. But into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood. Here comes this high priest walking in to the Holy of Holies where the presence of God is. And what do we have in his hands? Blood. Because the blood is the atonement for the sin. If he walk in without the blood, he will surely die. If he walk in with that kind of boldness, you know, he will surely die in his own power. 
Now see what he did with the blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sin committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. This was before Jesus Christ came onto the scene. My friends, get this now. Because when we stand at the table, we talk about the cup is the new covenant. You know what Jesus Christ did? Not on a tabernacle on the earth, but a tabernacle in heaven where the dwelling place of God is. He sacrificed His body. And what did He go into heaven with? With the blood. With His own blood. He went there and He paid the price not only for the Jews, but for everybody sitting here and even those people who we do not yet know who will come into this family and into other families. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, He paid the price for each one of us. He went into the presence of God and He presented His blood. Listen to this now, so that you and I, through the veil which is His body, can enter into that presence this morning. And you should be shouting hallelujah this morning. Because that is the confidence, that is the freedom that we have, that we can speak before a holy God. This is it. In Exodus chapter 28 verse 33, we find this in the Old Testament. He says, and upon it him you shall... This is how the high priest was looking. Listen to this now. The high priest was looking like this. On his hem you shall make pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet all around his hem. This is the thing he was wearing. And, and bells of gold. You see this? Have you heard the bell? If you ring it, what does it make? A noise, yes? Ting, 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 ting. He had it on his rope of gold between them all around. A golden bell and a pomegranate all around. Golden bell and a pomegranate upon the hem of his rope all around. And it shall be upon Aaron when he ministers. And its sound will be heard when he goes where? Into the holy place before the Lord. And when he comes out, that he may not die. So they, he's got some little bells around him. And as the high priest, he's got the blood. And now he walks into the holiest of all. And the priest will be standing in the holy place on the outside of the veil. And you know what will happen, my dear friends? When the priests stand on the outside, he walks in there, and they will hear the sound of this high priest. They will hear him every time when he moves around there. What happens when they don't hear the sound anymore? Kaput. I think it's straightforward, isn't it? Let's think this through. It's not hard. He walks inside there and they work. Clink, 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 clink. He's servicing. He moves around. And all of a sudden the sounds stop and I think, okay, maybe he's just standing in, in prayer or something. But man, it's been four hours now. Now, there is, a, there is a legend. And I'll, I'll put it out as a legend because there's no physical proof in the Bible about what I'm telling you now, but it, it makes sense if you think about that, that they said that he wear around his ankle or his waist a rope when he went in there. Because think about it, if he is dead there, how do they get him out? 
And the priest can't walk in there. It's the high priest's work. And, and the, but again, there's no proof. But here is the fact of the matter. He went into a place where the Shekiah power, glory of God was in that presence. Friends, this is so privileged for us because we go into the same place. Are you wearing bells? Every time when you pray, are you ringing a little bell and keep on ringing it? This is a fantastic privilege for us. So what's changed then you say? Let me give to you Hebrews chapter 9 verse 6. Now when these things has thus been prepared, the priest always went in there into the first part and you know in the second part without blood. Hebrews 4.14 Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Who's that? Jesus Christ. We have a great high priest who passed through the heavens. You know he did. Do you, do you believe that? How did he pass through the heavens? He first had to die before he could pass through the heavens. And then when he was crucified on the cross, they put him in the tomb, he was resurrected. And then what happened? On the day of ascension, they saw him passing through the heavens. His own disciples testify of this. He passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Why? Because he was tempted just like us but was in all points tempted, yet without sin. That's the difference between you and God and myself and God. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. You see, there it is. That is where he got it. That is where John got it as well. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace, this man says, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in need of time. 1 John 5, 11 this is how we find that confidence. He's already written about it. What? He says, this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. If you have eternal life, friend, you have the boldness and the freedom to speak in front of the creator of the universe. Can you see that now? Can you see how privileged is your prayer with God? It just didn't happen like that. It's not just something that it was an afterthought by God. There was a whole process that took place so that you and I can have the privilege to stand before God and to have the freedom to talk to God. Yet, yet that is the one thing in a Christian's life which people neglect. What a massive price to pay for somebody to be able to talk to God. It is like, you know, you're living way out in the country and for the first time they bring you the telephone. And they put it in and you never use it. It is like, it does not make sense that this is all that happens so that you and I can enter into that holy place of all. Now look at this quickly and we'll finish with this. 1 John chapter 5 verse 14, again this is our passage. Now this is the confidence, now that you understand that confidence and you know what's going on there, this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask, you see it starts with the word ask. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. What is this ask all about? In Matthew chapter 7 verse 7, Jesus says, Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. 
For everyone who asks receives, and anyone who seeks finds, finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. But you know the problem these days is, friends, people don't ask. I spoke to a man once about prayer. He says, no, I don't have to pray. He says, God knows already everything that I need, which is true, isn't it? It's true. God knows what you need. So then I don't ask. But man, it's wonderful if my children come to me from time to time and say, Dad, can you just help me with this? How wonderful is that? It's not as if God wants to feel needed also. Because, friends, you know what prayer does? It builds faith as well. But a lot of people don't ask. A lot of people don't knock. They just expect it's going to happen. You know, I, I, I'm this golden child of God, this blue-eyed child of God, this... this uh, I'm starting to think for names now. This favorite of God. In Matthew 18 verse 19, again I say to you, again, he says again, I say to you, that if two or three on earth agree concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. We, we had a little girl, she will come up here this morning, and what do we do? Two of three, were we more than two of three? Yes, we were a few brothers, and it was everybody in this church. Did everybody pray, pray for this girl this morning? Did you? Did every one of you agree this morning when we prayed for her? Then you know what? I'm standing here this morning on the Word of God, not trying to be somebody that people look up to and say, Wow, when He laid His hands on people, something happens. It's not about you. Forget that. It's about God and His mercy. Here He talks about it. He says, If two of you agree on the earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by the Father in heaven. It will be done. I can't explain anything about it will be done. What does it mean when it says it will be done? It will be done. <laughs> but what is the key there? He says... If any one of you agree, he says, ask and it will be given you. Is that right? Now, what is the problem then? Because there's a problem. James says this, James chapter 4 verse 2, he says, you lust and you do not have. That's the problem of the world today. Lust. Do you know, want to know what's the definition of lust? Lust is to satisfy self at the expense of others. I'll say that again. Lust is to satisfy self. It's all about me at the expense of others. I see this playing out in households. I play, see it playing out in businesses. I see it playing out in clubs. Wherever you go, there's always the lustful nature in man. And listen, this is not something you and I can stand and point fingers over to that. Lust is knocking on your door every single day of your life. It knocks on my door. It knocks on your door. It is to satisfy self at the expense of others. And he says here, lust and you do not have. It's so clear about this. And then James goes on to say, you murder and you covet and cannot obtain. You fight and you war. You're constantly at each other. You're constantly grinding away. Why? Yet you do not have. You see, there's something you want and it irritates you. It irritates you into that little pinky toe of yours which I tried to smash this morning. It irritates you if you can't get what you want and that causes you to war. This is what he's saying out there. He said, you do not, yet you do not have. Why? Because you do not ask. So where's my friend who said to me, I don't have to pray because God knows everything I need. Yes, he knew, but you still have to ask. 
But then there's a second problem in this verse. Have you seen this? He says in verse 3, You ask and you do not receive. Why? Why is it then that you do not receive? Why is it that so many people come to me and they say, Oh, but I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed. And I think the thing that you've prayed for is for your own lust. You prayed for it because you wanted it to have and happen to you at the expense of others. Well, it wasn't only me thinking about it. The Bible says it right there. He says it. He says you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Op your plezire will you it sit. That was a little bit of Afrikaans there, my brother. Jy wil net lekker lewe. Dis al wat jy wil doen. You just want to live at the expense of others. Please allow me to throw a few Afrikaans sentences in here. But that's the problem here. And this is what he says. And, and it brings us back to what he says. He says, now this is the confidence we have that if you ask anything, and that's where a lot of people stop. I can ask anything. Woo! Oh Lord, I would love to have that beautiful, beautiful beach house. No, not that little shed over there. I want the beach house in the Maldives. Hey, I'm a child of God. There's even pe people now preaching that if you are poor, you're not a real child of God. They are not deceived. They are blatantly wrong. Here it is, he says, there is something that is applicable to this, is according to what? To his will, to his will. That is the key here, if you ask according to his will. Now let me show you just quickly this will. This will, there's two Greek words that's used in the New Testament for the will of God. One is bole, and the other one is thelema. Thelema is the one that he uses here when he says, if you ask anything according to his will. I want you to listen clearly now what I'm going to say, the word of God is going to say. In Deuteronomy 29, 29, there's a key for us in this whole I love this verse. It's my favorite verse. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. I know it's yours as well, Paulson. I know you love this verse. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that they may do all the words of this law. He uses the Latin word there. The secret things is the, 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 the Dios obscanditos. Abscanditos means it's obscure. You can't see what it is. The things that we can't see what it is that belongs to God, belongs to God. And we should keep our noses out of them. I'll repeat myself. We need to keep our noses out of them. That's when people try to double into the occult, trying to find out the secret things of God, and they only get upon themselves the wrath of God. But let's not go into that. It belongs to God our God. But those things which are revealed, the Deus Revelatos. Revelatos. You know what Revelatos is? It is slowly but surely getting revealed to you. It's not just in one dump. Boom. Slowly but surely as you grow as a child of God, God will reveal to you things more and more. But this is the key for me. This, the key here is, it belongs to us and our children. Who's got to tell it to our children? You. Parents need to. He says, and that they may do the words of this law. So the things which are revealed to us, 
We get them revealed to us to do what? To obey the, the law. The law. So there's two kinds of wills of God. The one is a preceptive will. Precept upon precept upon precept. And then you find the decretive will of God. The decretive will of God, you and I cannot change. Doesn't matter how long you pray about it, it won't change. Let me give you one example of the decretive will of God. God said, let there be light. And what was there? Boom! There was light! Hallelujah! The power of the Creator God. There's light. Now, if you go every single day and you say, God, I hate light. I'm praying against light. I'm praying against light. Let the light not come up. Let the light go away. Are you wasting your time? Of course you are. But the will of God was that there will be light. You know this verse where they say, with faith you can lift a mountain and move it? But that was a decree from God that that mountain should be there. I've heard so many people trying to put their faith to a test, man. Lord, I want to move that mountain, move that mountain, move that mountain. Pick it up and throw it in there. What about the poor guy sitting there? Lord, I don't want that mountain. I don't want that mountain. Keep it there. We are sometimes so ill-informed, aren't we? What is all about in those two prayers? The last. I want to move that mountain. Why? Because I don't like that mountain there. I, I've just built this new house. I want the sun to shine into my... Now that mountain, I only get the sun. I'm going to get it when it's 12 o'clock. I get the sun. I don't like that. Well, move your house, buddy, because the mountain ain't going to move. Until God shakes this world, and He will. Yes? I'm getting too excited up here. Technology says, calm down, buddy. <laughs> That's the decretive will of God. And, and, and friend, listen to me. As a child of God, you need to study the wills of God so that you know what is the decretive will of God. And then what is the decretive will of God, you abide by that. Whether you like it or not, you do. Then we find the preceptive will of God. What is that? the written, the, what is perceived, is perception, it's the laws of God. Thou shalt not steal. That is a perceptive will of God. Now, friend, if you like something that you want to take and it doesn't belong to you, you don't want to pay for it, doesn't matter how much you pray, God's not going to change His mind on the perceptive will that if you take it without paying and without uh, approval to take it, you are stealing. That is wrong and you can pray as much as you want, it's going to come to nothing. So this is the key for God to hear us, is when you pray, you know what you need to do? Say, Father, help me in this prayer, that when I'm going to pray, show through the Holy Spirit to me, that this prayer I'm praying is not all about me. It's about others. Oh, I'll tell you, if you want to have answered prayers, start praying those prayers. Pray for your brothers and sisters. You know what? God will take care of you. I'm not asking you this, I'm telling you this. God will take care of you. If you start praying for others, He'll take care of you. He'll take care in a way that Kylie testified today. In my life, I've worked for, for companies, and I have got just one perceptive uh, uh, word of God, and that is that I believe that God will look after these people, yes? And you know what's going to happen? I pray to God, and I say, Lord, I work for you first. 
Make me an instrument. And you know, my friends, I've never asked for a raise. Never. Sometimes I don't get a lot, and I say, Lord, this is what you determine. And sometimes when I think I'm not going to get a lot, I'm getting surprised. Whoa, where did that come from? Because he looks after you. He looks after his children. If anything you ask according to the will of God, he hears you. In verse 16, we find this about a brother sinning. I'll just say this about it because it all ties into prayer. Is to pray for your brothers and sisters. If you see somebody sinning, don't gossip and, and put down more on it. Pray for them. Talk to God about them and not to people about them if they sin, if they do something wrong. Because let me just tell you, you can also do something wrong. And the problem is, other people always see your things that you do wrong. Seldom you see it yourself. Because in your eyes it's right. But in God's eyes it is not. And He might use a brother or sister to point them out to you. Don't get mad at that brother and sister when they do. Because they are just a messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. If you read the word of God to somebody and it, and, and it, and it touches their heart... Say, Lord, uh, you know, I've heard it sometimes. Somebody was jumping up and down with somebody corrected them and said, man, don't fight with me, fight with God. You're going to lose that battle, by the way. And here we find if anyone sees a brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, this is physical death. This is not talking about the spiritual death. If you see a brother is sinning which does not lead to a physical death, he will ask, in other words, he will pray, and he will give him life for those who commit sin, not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. It's not talking about the unpardonable sin here. He's talking about people who's doing things, and you know what? The Lord allows for them to physically die, children of God to die. And there's plenty of example in the Bible. Moses is one. What did Moses do? He hit the rock when he shouldn't have. God said, you will not go into the promised land, and he didn't. He died physically. This is prayers for us. What about the table we read in, in, in the passage which you read this morning? If you continue reading on, he says, some of you has already died. Why? They come to the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. And the Lord allowed for them to physically die. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not leading to death. So, brothers and sisters, know the confidence this morning that if anything you ask according to His will... His perceptive will, He will hear you. Where can you learn the perceptive will of God? Where can you learn it? Right there. If you're going to pray for something in your life, go to the Word of God, search for it, and say, how do I? Father, show me the answers. And, and you know what? He might give you instructions through the Word of God. But pray for that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word, which is powerful and sharper. It's living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. We thank you for your word. We thank you for prayer. And Father, as, as I think about uh, uh, 